Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Cotton Yarns, the podcast for Australian cotton growers where we'll pick the brains of the best and brightest of our industry to help you get the most out of your crop. G'day everyone, welcome back to another episode of Cotton Yarns. Today I'm going to be talking to Ella Arnold, CSD's Extension and Development Agronomist for Southern New South Wales, and Renee Vandersloos, Principal Consultant for Textile Technical Services, and we're going to discuss managing for micronair in cool climates. Now ever since the introduction of cotton into the southern growing valleys, uh, the Riverina and the Hilston area, Low air has been one of the major issues, particularly in the last couple of seasons where we've seen well below average temperatures and these issues have become more and more evident. Now we're going to discuss a range of things on air, focusing on what air is, how it develops and some of the management practices you can employ to help avoid those low air issues. Welcome to the Cotton Yarns podcast, Renee and Ella. Today we're going to have a chat about Micronair in particular, uh, managing for Micronair in cooler climates, southern New South Wales and, and some of the eastern reaches of, say, the um, Macquarie and the Nemoy Valley. But before we kick off, Renee, could you just introduce yourself to our listeners, a bit about who you are and, and what you do in the industry? Yeah, thanks, Angus. Uh, I'm the Principal uh, Consultant for Textile Technical Services. And I'm also the uh, Cotton Info uh, Tech Lead on Fiber Quality. So I've been working in the cotton industry for a long time. I started in 1980, so I've been around quite a long time. I'm a, a cotton spinner by trade, uh, but the last couple of years since I've been in Australia, I've been working in the harvesting, ginning, and fiber quality areas. And uh, I have been uh, running a lot of uh, projects uh, through CLDC, CLC, and other institutions over the last couple of years. So I think in a nutshell, that would describe where I'm at at the moment. Definitely the expert on Micronair. And Ella, do you just want to introduce yourself as well? Thanks, Gus. Yeah, I'm Ella. I'm based down in southern New South Wales, um, working for CSD as the Extension and Development Agronomist. I cover off, yeah, all of the south, so up to Hilston, um, back through Griffith, Collie down to Gerildery, and then out to Daniloquin and um, Hay. So, yeah, covering off the main cotton-growing towns in the uh, Murrumbidgee and I started in the cotton industry in 2016 and I'll be going into my seventh cotton crop this season so a bit of a tadpole compared to um, Renee but um, yeah very passionate about cotton and um, especially quality because it is such a big influence on our end result at the end of the day down here so thanks us. Yeah definitely and over the past couple of seasons I know we've seen some some pretty significant micronair issues coming out of the south due to a number of factors. But, Renee, do you just want to tell us a little bit about what micronair is and some of the environmental factors that influence the development of micronair in a cotton crop? Yeah, thanks, Gus. Yeah, look, uh, micronair is, is a, uh, a sort of a bit of a strange beast because micronair is actually a combination of fineness and maturity. And the way and the way that it is measured at the moment is by just taking uh, a certain amount of uh, certain grams of fibers and putting it into a con- into a container or compartment and forcing uh, air through it. And the resistance to the air gives you a number which then determines what the micron is. So obviously, if you have coarser fibers, the resistance to air is, is not as high, so it have a higher higher value. 
And if it's a finer, finer fiber, the resistance to the air is, is obviously a lot more. So you, then you get a, a lower micronair. So that, in essence, is, is how micronair is determined. Australia generally has always had high micronair issues. And when I talk about high micronair issues, I'm talking about the top of the G5 range. So the G5 range is, is quite a wide sort of range that everybody talks about. And that's sort of between the 3.5 and 4.9 uh, micronair. And that's also the, the Australian base grade. So we've always been at the at, at the upper upper part of it, so the 4.6 and above. And the reason really for that is, is that obviously the, the heavier and, the, and the, your fiber is, uh, the, the, the better the yield. So the breeders have always sort of been trying to sort of just touch that top end uh, to, to, to get the yield. The phenomenon down south with the, uh, with the low mic is, is something new to the industry. Uh, and if you look back at the last sort of 10, 11 years uh, that the industry really sort of got into full swing down south, you will see that out of the 10, 11 years, four of those years have we have had certain percentages of the crop uh, in the low mic range. So, uh, last year and the year before were, were particularly bad. Uh, this year, it seems at the moment it's not as severe. I think probably about 10 or 15% of the crop. But then again, we haven't gotten through the crop uh, completely yet. So it's 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 a new phenomenon. Myconair generally is, is is got a sort of caused by by two major things. Obviously, it's variety very much uh, variety dependent. But the biggest factor that will uh, determine your myconair really is the environmental conditions. And if you, as you know, going further closer to the Victorian border, the the weather becomes more variable, uh, and you and you tend to have a lot more cooler and uh, cooler, cold and overcast days. As we were just talking earlier. That is the situation again, and uh, we've had cooler, colder climates in the last three or four years, which has affected the micronary. Basically, what happens is that because we don't have uh, the, the uh, number of uh, degree days is, is below the average, and that then will determine that the, the crop is uh, is more uh, immature, and we've had a lot of, lot of discounts uh, due to that. Yeah, definitely, and... I think even up this way, where, where I'm based at Gundawindi in the McIntyre, we have seen even some low mic up here, just due, due to the the cooler seasons we've had so far, especially in the dry land where people have you know taken the opportunity to plant dry land on moisture a little bit later in the planting window in December, and we have seen some, some micronair issues come out of that as well. But Ella, from what you've seen down around southern New South Wales, why is micronair such a problem in the south and you know, what are some of the mistakes that, that growers might be making in uh, increasing the severity of low mic in their crops? Yeah, so the way I look at it is where our season length is really short and our we have no worries accumulating solar radiation and um, day degrees, but it's a really steep bell curve. So we start really low and then we sort of hit the end of November, December, and it really shoots up in terms of our solar radiation accumulation. And then come... The late January, February, we've sort of hit our peak and then we start that really steep down curve on that bell curve. So I feel like we have a really short window to get the crop up and away and then we've got to maximise our accumulation of nodes, flower development, bowl development, bowl maturity in a really short window compared to our cousins up north who have the, the advantage of having that longer season. So I think, of course, you know, we can't change our postcode. This is where we are. This is where we're growing our crop. However, the majority of the management is what's going to be the outcome of our micronair. So we just have to accept the fact that, you know, we've got one window to plant, one window to get it up. And then once we've, 
you know, exceeded that window, we just need to, you know, pull the pin or say that, that crop's too late, let's start managing it for a lower yield. But we can't manage it for a longer season because we just don't have that. And I think that's where growers are getting caught up is that they're going, well, you know, this crop started slower, it took off slower, but we'll just try and make up at the back end of the season, which we don't. I see our last effective flower dates as like a cement wall. We can't move that. That's fixed. Whereas the start of our season is a little bit more variable. So last season was a great example. Um, there was a bit of replant that happened down here where crops were sown late October, which is usually a bit of a, you know, no-no or it's, yeah, the horse is bolted. Um, however, last season, the crops that got planted late October still managed to mature in that time. They were still managed for cutout at the same time as their other crops that were planted earlier in the in October. And the quality was still fine because they were still just managing that crop for what the season was. They weren't trying to grow it out. So I think yep. um, like Renee touched on, you know, that variety choice is critical. Um, you, can, you can choose varieties that are, have a slightly higher micronair package, um, which is going to put you in front from the start and then just really understanding the back end of the season and understanding that you can't grow it out you can't grow it on out past those last effective flower dates and the growers that do they're diluting their really good sample with low micro air cotton from the top of the plant they've grown on late so that's probably just yeah two of the main the main issues and like for example at collie Embley, the the average last effective flower date is the 12th of february so if you're producing flowers at the top of that crop and on the secondary and third positions past the 12th of February, you know, you start you start reducing your overall micronair because those bowls are generally getting defoliated, kept on the plant, and then usually they're forced open because they haven't had that season length to mature and they're getting brought into that sample and diluting all that really good good quality cotton down below the plant. So, yeah, that's just probably a few of the key things that I, I see from my angle. Yeah, so certainly chasing the uh, top bowls uh, to increase your yield, you know, as as Ella said, is, is uh, yeah, you can, you can get away with it perhaps in other areas of the country, but certainly not down south. That seems to be uh, certainly a big issue to to consider. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I guess what you both sort of said there is growers need to manage, you know, manage for a lower yield, or especially in seasons what we're seeing and potentially this one coming. Possibly we need to lower our yield expectation in order to achieve better quality cotton. And that the importance of that will probably increase as the cotton price comes down and we see, you know, more of an impact from penalties um, on our last season. You know, we saw some really good cotton prices, so those penalties might not have had such a such an effect on, on a farm gross margin. But I think coming into years where we are seeing a fallen cotton price, that's that's going to be something definitely to look at is lowering your yield expectation and managing for, for Micronair to avoid those penalties. But, um, Renee, I, I know there's some work being done around, I guess, refining how we look at Micronair, looking at Micronair more in depth. Do you sort of know what I mean there? Yeah, as, as I said before, uh, Micronair is, 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 a, is a difficult beast because it's actually made up of uh, fineness and maturity. And uh, unfortunately, that uh, as I've described, the method that Micronair has been, been tested is has been has been in existence since the mid 1940s, and the spinners are very well aware of of you know what's a high mic and what's a low mic. That that doesn't obviously mean that that cotton that's got a low. The, the problem is is that cotton that's got a low mic doesn't necessarily mean that it's that it's uh, immature. 
you know, if you can, if you could be able to, to differentiate between fineness and maturity, from a spinner's point of view, they would like to have a fine fiber, so a low mic fiber, but a mature fiber. And currently, that's that's not happening at the moment. So Australian cotton generally is going in what they what we say is going into the high end. So in a high-end market, and what that means is that a high-end market is basically producing finer yarns. So in order, to, and for a spinner to be able to process a yarn with good processing performance and also good yarn quality, he needs a minimum number of fibers in the cross-section. So the finer the yarn, the finer the, the fiber is, the lower yarn count he can produce. But as I said, there's, there's a danger. And in their mind, as they've got in their mind that anything that's, you know, sort of, 3.5, 3.6 mic, which could be a good quality fiber. Unfortunately, they associate it with immaturity. So what the industry has done is, and CRDC have, have um, funded quite a bit of work, and you might have heard of the instrument called the cotton scope. Yes, which that's is something the one I was thinking of. Put out, yeah, yeah. The, 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 and that's a very good tool. The problem with, with that instrument and other instruments as well is that they are just too slow. So, you know, it takes a... a from memory, I think it takes a minute or a minute and a half to 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 do a sample. Now, in an HVI, they they can do ninety uh, samples an hour. So it's it's you know so from a breeding perspective, it, it's a great tool that, that the breeders do use. I know there's one up in Narrabri at at Weewall, sorry at ACRO, and there's a couple of others floating around. But the take up hasn't been that good because you know from a research perspective and perhaps from a breeding perspective, it's a good instrument. But from a commercial uh, perspective, uh, it's just not fast enough. And the other thing that's there as well is that I think also that the merchants are a little bit hesitant because this is, if we now do start uh, churning out a lot of these numbers, you know, what are those numbers going to say? Is the numbers going to say that our crop, that the crop is mature? Or are they going to say that the crop is immature? Or what are they going to say? And, you know, so that's a that's an added number that, that we will have to get our heads around. So I think... You know, the, the instrument is there, it's being used uh, in, in a sort of a research perspective, but uh, commercially at that moment, at this moment of time, it's not because number one is too slow. And then number two, you know, I think there's a little bit of hesitancy because of the numbers that they might produce. So, um, yeah, look, it's, it's an evolving space, uh, but uh, I, I don't think that uh, it's going to take off anytime soon in, in, the, in the commercial world. Obviously, in the research world, yes, it's, it's very important. Renee, just in your opinion, and I know you said it, it might not be viable currently, but as technology improves, of course, you know, we're always improving stuff like cotton scope. Do you think it is, you know, the direction the industry needs to head down in terms of, of Micronair and the way people approach the management of Micronair and the way the industry looks at Micronair? Do you think that's the direction we need to take? Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think so, you know, because obviously Im- the immature cotton, what, the issue with immature cotton is is that obviously the secondary wall hasn't been developed as well as, as the as the lumen. So what that basically means is that fibre doesn't absorb uh, the same amount of dye as the other fibre. So I'm sure you've seen fabrics, where you, which cheap fabrics, which might have white spots on them or something like that. That's, that's immature cotton. And so what's, so, you know, there's, there's a, you know, people stay away from, I mean, I think as well as that the lower mic cottons are discounted sometimes just purely because of the low mic. That doesn't actually necessarily mean that that fiber is, is not is not an excellent quality fiber. So I think to, to answer your question, I know that's a long way around, but yes, it will happen. Um, and, I, and people are working in this space um, 
all the time. And the only way that it's going to become acceptable in the trade is if the speed, if they can incorporate the maturity testing into the HVR. Now, currently, the HVR does have a maturity number that it spits out, but that's a calculate, calculated value. It doesn't really mean anything, and nobody really pays any attention to it. So hopefully these clever guys uh, in, in the research world and, and the machine world and will we'll be able to sort something out so it can be... Um, you know, add it to the HVI machines, and then we will start getting those numbers. Now, how long that's going to take? Uh, I suppose how long is the string, but uh, yeah. hopefully in the future that will happen. Yep. Ella, is there any other sort of work being done on the ground in terms of management for Micron? I know there is. You, you've been involved in, in some data work that that we'll be bringing, bringing through as one of the CSD tools and, and a few other things, but what has some of the other work been done on the ground? Yeah, good one, Gus. So I think nitrogen has a big, big part to play in the um, overall outcome of the Micronair um, in our southern crops. So uh, growers have been a lot more proactive that I've noticed in the past three seasons where they're actually, you know, doing deep end tests, assessing and factoring in what soil nitrogen they have in the system into their budget. So you know, typically a long history of cotton on a farm, you know, there is a there is a large carrier of residual nitrogen from paddock to paddock and crop to crop, um, especially where they're, they're probably not meeting their realistic yields with their budgets. So like, you know, they might be thinking, well, we'll put on nitrogen for 14 bales just in case we get there, but then they yield 10 bales and they do that for five seasons. And there's a, just a really high residual um, buildup of nitrogen, which is impacting their quality. So um, the fact that growers are being more conscious of what they're actually got in the system and then factoring that into their budgets, I think, is is helping minimise that risk of low micronair because that's that's been a really strong correlation. And the work that Kieran O'Keefe's been doing um, with Renee and the likes of their trials, it's it's a really big yeah really big factor that I think more growers need to, you know, especially with the price of fertiliser, they really need to be factoring in that yeah residual nitrogen into their budget. So. And consequently, if they do that, they're actually going to be getting better quality and probably better yield outcomes because the plant's been grown in the best conditions and not overfed. And yeah, it's easy to pull up. It's a well-managed um, fertilised crop. If, you know, it crops have been over-fertilised, it's actually really hard to pull that crop up. It's more likely to be vegetative, put on smaller bowls that are going to have lower quality um, micronair diluting the overall primary position bowls. So I think, yeah, it's just, yeah, looking at nitrogen is going to have to be a big part of everyone's program if they're not doing it in the coming seasons. Yeah, definitely. No, I, I agree with that. So, you know, in, within these cooler conditions, basically what happens is that the more nitrogen you have, it actually slows down the maturity. And so as Alice says, that there's a direct correlation. Obviously, the other thing with nitrogen, of course, is as well as with the vegetative growth, uh, there's issues with the foliation, but then there's also issues with trash and moisture in the gin as well. So that, that will also uh, harm your uh, your lid turnout, which is also obviously very important to the grower. No, that's some really good stuff. And and we'll, we'll start to wrap this up. But I guess before we finish off, just if both of you have any comments on how growers can manage their crops to avoid low microne, I know we've had a lot of good information in there, but just to summarise what we've ta- talked about, how can growers manage their crops to avoid low microne I guess some tips for growers coming into this season. Um, I know, Renee, you said we're 
sorry, last season wasn't as severe as the season before, but we could be looking down the barrel of some more cool conditions. So, so what are the your tips for growers coming in this season for avoiding low mic? Yeah, thanks, Angus. I think I think uh, the same as what we said, uh, as Ella said. Number one is variety choice. Uh, you know, make base your decision on on what you know is is coming and, and choose the best variety. I understand that growers. Uh, want to go for the highest yielding uh, crop that's understandable but as you said with the price coming down and the potential discounts that you that you could get those two could out you know weigh each other uh, do soil tests and see what your nitrogen already is in in the in the soil be realistic uh, with your um, yield predictions you know if the average yield down south is, is um, I think it's around 10 11. And there are people that are get, certainly getting 13 and 14, but how realistic is that? You know, so I think be realistic with your yield expectations. Planting date is, is another important one. The, the, the cutout time, use of picks uh, is, is another one. Make sure that you know everybody says down south it's sort of one or two weeks earlier than what it was traditionally. Uh, don't chase the top bowls. Other than that, just... just um, you know, make sure you do don't irrigate unnecessarily. I mean, the, all these management decisions, which the growers are, you know, a lot more aware of than I am. And, and Ella would, can probably uh, highlight a few more. But um, I think in a nutshell, from my side, that would be the most obvious. Yeah, no, I agree with Renee there. He's pretty much touched on everything, but I'll probably just go a little bit deeper into the cutout. So, you know, understand what your last effective flower date is for your postcode. Um, so, and that last effective flower date doesn't mean, well, you know, that's the date we pull it up. It's actually, a, it's like landing a plane. You've really got to start that process well, well before the, the, the run strip because, you know, you being too aggressive and pulling it up on the last effective flower date. So, for example, if you put the cutout spray on the 12th of Feb, the horse is bolted. You're not going to be able to pull that crop up come defoliation. Like, it's just going to be one to grow on. So, you actually need to start that process middle of January. Thank you for joining me today, Ella and Renee. Thanks for giving up some of your time. I learned a lot in that podcast, so thanks very much. No, thank you, Gus. Thanks for your time as well. And, um, yeah, hopefully we can um, get some growers actively thinking about the cutout strategies and nitrogen strategies ready for micronutrient management. No, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity. No worries at all. Thank you. What a great episode that was. A big thank you to Ella and Renee for joining me today in discussing managing for low micron air in cooler climates. Now, it was really interesting to hear Renee talk about how, in the future, we might be looking at micron air more in depth, and it will give us a better understanding on how we can manage to avoid low micron air. Now, there's still a lot of work going on in the southern regions. We heard Ella talk about some of the management techniques we can employ to help avoid low mic. And that managing for the last effective flower in your crop is probably the main management practice that you need to consider in order to avoid low micron air. Now in seasons where the cotton price is really good, it may not be as significant, but as we all know, the cotton price is not going to stay at the top forever. And as those prices go down, those quality penalties will become more and more detrimental to the gross margin. So... I encourage you all to take in some of these tips you heard in this episode, employ them on your farm. If you want any more information, jump on the CSD website. We've got a bunch of information on there on all things micro and air as well as a range of other topics. That's all from me, everyone, and I'll catch you next time.